Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In this episode, we are taking a closer look at how defense agencies can improve national cybersecurity. In the 21st century, cybersecurity is national security. With the Department of Defense's network being a prime target for state-sponsored attacks, ensuring that the most advanced, robust, and reliable defense and mitigation measures are deployed is critical. While bolstering cyber defenses is mandatory, it's also important for defense agencies to prioritize threat hunting. By understanding how to optimize cyber threat intelligence, the DoD can improve its cybersecurity posture by identifying new counteroffensive measures. In this interview, we will aim to address the current cyber threat environment, how to use cyber threat intelligence and mitigation strategies to prevent as well as mitigate attacks. And for our conversation, I sat down with Michael Sieber, who's the Senior Director for Cybersecurity at Maximus, to discuss the current cyber threat environment and how defense agencies can proactively use cyber threat intelligence and mitigation strategies to improve national security. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. And Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, it's great to have you. And let's really start at the top. So what are the major cyber threats facing the Department of Defense? Well, after serving in the Department of Defense for over 24 years before coming to Maximus, I've experienced firsthand how the threats in cyberspace have increased in recent years. Did you know that according to a Government Accountability Office report, the DOD has experienced over 12,000 cyber incidents since 2015? Now, an incident is an event that is either had or has the potential to cause an adverse effect on an information system. In fact, CrowdStrike just reported that their threat hunting unit saw a 40% year-over-year increase in observed intrusion volume on networks that they monitor. To answer your question, I think we must understand who's conducting these cyber attacks, how they're conducting them, and what they're attacking. So starting with who, these attacks come from organizations that demonstrate a threat, meaning they have both capability and intent. These organizations are either criminal actors or they're state-sponsored actors. So criminal actors have varying degrees of sophistication, but are primarily driven by monetary profit or getting recognition for their skills. State actors, on the other hand, are conducting cyberspace operations to gain intelligence, set conditions for future operations, or impact the confidentiality, integrity, or availability of DOD networks to benefit their national objectives. The top state-sponsored threat actors are predominantly from China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Now, a lot of these criminal and state actor organizations are known as advanced persistent threats. You've probably heard the term before, otherwise known as APTs. If you're interested in reading up on some of the capabilities and evil doings of these APT groups, I would suggest Mandiant has a webpage that provides a great synopsis of top threats impacting the federal government. Let's go on to how they're attacking. Types of cyber threats range from trickery to sophisticated zero-day attacks. Most attacks rely on users giving them access versus exploiting a new zero-day vulnerability or conducting an attack by brute force. 95% of cyber incidents are caused by human error. Hackers know this and they take advantage of it. Bad actors gain access through phishing and social engineering attempts that rely on tricking end users to gain access. With an increased adoption of artificial intelligence, I expect to see a surge in social engineering and phishing attempts that are very hard to recognize. Now, the other main way that these threat actors conduct successful cyber attacks is by taking advantage of organizations 
that don't conduct regular patching and updates. Failure to regularly patch is essentially leaving the door wide open for bad actors to emplace malware on your network. Let's move on to what targets these actors are attacking. Of course, these actors are persistently working to gain and maintain access to DoD and other government networks. But they also focus on perceived soft targets that they believe provide an easier path to network access, such as companies that make up the defense industrial base. Now, fortunately, the DoD recognizes this. Programs such as the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, also known as CMMC, will help harden these targets by ensuring that these defense industrial-based partners meet a minimum cybersecurity standard. After all, a chain is really only as strong as its weakest link. There's also a very real concern that threat actors are actively probing U.S. critical infrastructure. In a recent New York Times article, David Sanger and Julian Barnes discussed potential Chinese malware that appeared on U.S. networks that control power grids, communication systems, and water supplies. These systems are dual-use targets, meaning that the same infrastructure is not just a potential military target at some point in the future, but it also serves the critical needs of the public. Because of that, it is absolutely vital that as a nation, we collectively increase the cybersecurity posture on critical infrastructure that serves the nation. That was quite a rundown that you gave us there when it comes to the cyber threat. So really, how has this constant evolution of the cyber threat landscape, if you will, how is it impacting national security? The evolution of cyber threats has done a few things to improve national security. When we talk about this, three things come to mind. First, I think it's forced collaboration across the government. I also think, second, it's improved our collective security posture. And third, I really think it's changed our overall approach to warfighting. So with regards to collaboration, there are very close partnerships and lots of information sharing that's taking place between government departments and agencies. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, has made great progress in sharing threat intel across government agencies and private sector entities. This collaboration can provide a more comprehensive understanding of the threat landscape. The constant evolution of cyber threats has also forced cybersecurity professionals to rethink the way we look at security of data and networks. The rapid evolution of cyber threats has spawned the creation of advanced data protection models such as Zero Trust, which assumes that the network is compromised and forces users to validate their identity before accessing data every single time. It's also created a culture of cybersecurity in which we're chipping away at that high human error rate, making it more difficult for hackers to gain access. But the most significant impact of the constant evolution of cyber threats on national security is that it's flipped warfighting on its head. Cyberspace operations, both offensive and defensive, must be planned for at every aspect of warfighting. Gone are the days of operating in an uncontested cyber electromagnetic environment. U.S. Cyber Command now plays a huge role in military actions that take place in both direct and indirect competition and will continue to be instrumental in future conflicts. All right. Good stuff. Thank you so much there, Michael. Appreciate you sharing that wide perspective there. So in diving in a little bit, little deeper, what are some effective strategies that defense networks can employ to bolster their cyber measures? For example, how can the DOD enhance their understanding of potential threats and utilize cyber threat intelligence to really make informed decisions and allocate resources more effectively to ultimately strengthen their security posture? Well, the DoD has an excellent system in place today that gathers data points from multiple sources and rapidly shares that information across the force. DISA has a joint operations center that runs a watch floor that maintains situational awareness of cyber threats 24-7. So with that being said, 
there is definitely a clear shift towards enterprise cybersecurity to reinforce defense in depth of the data on our networks. The enterprise cybersecurity takes advantage of the inherent cybersecurity benefits of enterprise cloud services. And it also seeks a universal solution for identity credentialing and access management technology, which is a key pillar of zero trust strategy that the department is striving to implement by 2027. Now, to the benefits of incorporating managed cyber threat intel, I look at these services as a critical tool to provide insights to criminal and potential adversary tactics, techniques, and procedures so that CISOs across the board can make informed risk decisions. To that end, I would say cyber threat intel helps with identifying areas of your network that are most likely to be targeted and then allow CISOs to put extra security measures in place to prevent that. Second, I think cyber threat intel also helps with identifying root causes of cyber incidents, whether it's due to a misconfiguration on your network or due to some exploit of a new zero day vulnerability. Getting down to identifying the root cause is really critical to making sure that that vulnerability is not exploited again and again in the future. And then finally, I think cyber threat intel helps with removing that human error from the equation as much as possible by helping automate patching and prioritizing what vulnerabilities should be addressed. I mean, there's always gonna be a ton of vulnerabilities, but it's really important that you're prioritizing the ones that will cause the greatest damage or impact to your network. All right, great, thanks, Michael. Let's talk about data breaches because data breaches certainly pose significant risks to both national security and battlefield supremacy. So with that in mind, how can proactive cyber threat intelligence really play a role in reducing the likelihood of data breaches and what are some general mitigation strategies that the DOD can leverage? Yeah, proactive threat intel can help identify potential threats and vulnerabilities before they can be exploited, reducing the likelihood of data breaches. With a few exceptions, threat actors take advantage of organizations that are slow to patch and conduct remediation activity. As for mitigation strategies, I'd recommend always going back to the fundamentals, basic blocking and tackling. I mean, I, it's really important that organizations are doing regular vulnerability scanning and patch management, implement robust access control and user authentication measures, make sure you know who's accessing your network and make sure they have permission to access whatever they're looking at. Make sure you're utilizing encryption for both data at rest and data at transit. And then finally, develop and then practice incident response plans regularly. Assume that data breaches are gonna happen. The response to that and practicing that over and over again is gonna make you better at mitigating and eliminating that vulnerability. All right, great. So really considering the constant evolution of cyber threats, what are some of the most notable challenges faced by the DOD these days? For example, how can the strategic use of cyber threat intelligence help the DOD remain proactive in its cyber approach? Yeah, it feels like the widespread use of AI is really accelerating the pace of change significantly. So to address your first question, I think there's an increased challenge to stay ahead of cyber threats. That's really due to three reasons. First is the speed at which threats evolve. Second, the increased sophistication of attacks, making it difficult to identify and track threats that may already be inside your network. Finally, I think there's a lack of personnel to effectively address threats. Like other organizations, the DOD also suffers from a shortage of skilled cybersecurity professionals in its ranks. According to Mark Gorak, the DOD's Chief Information Officer's Principal Director for Resources and Analysis, over 25% of the DOD's cyber positions for civilians, military, and contractors are unfilled. To combat this, the Office of the DOD CIO just released the Cyber Workforce Strategy Implementation Plan 
that lays out a framework to reduce those vacancies by half over the next two years. As for your second question, I think the strategic use of threat intel can help organizations stay proactive in their cybersecurity approach by providing early warning of cyber incidents, minimizing human error by increasing automation, assisting in allocating resources to combat specific threats, and then use data to develop informed mitigation strategies. All right, great. And for our last question for today is really, how does cyber threat intelligence contribute to the development of effective countermeasures? Well, cyber threat intel contributes to developing effective countermeasures by helping you understand adversary tactics, also enhancing your incident response and increasing collaboration across organizations. So first, by understanding how an attacker operates, an organization can better prepare its defenses and detect signs of an intrusion much more quickly. By knowing the enemy, organizations can craft specific defenses tailored to these threats. Additionally, cyber threat intel provides incident responders up-to-date information about ongoing cyber attacks. This allows them to act decisively to contain an attack, preserve evidence from an attack, and expel intruders from their network. Finally, the best countermeasure against cyber threat actors is communication and sharing lessons learned across organizations. The use of threat intel allows you to learn hard lessons from the experiences of others. If an organization detects a new kind of threat or a way to penetrate an attack vector, I think others can benefit from this knowledge and the use of managed threat intel allows you to take the experiences of others and apply them to your networks. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. And big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the best practices and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in federal, state, and local government, be sure to visit governmenttechnologyinsider.com. I'm your host, Matt Langan, and until next time, so long.